0: I'd like to share with us this morning uh, the transfiguration story as it comes from the gospel of Mark chapter nine. Six days later, three of them did see it. Jesus took Peter, James and John and led them up a high mountain. Jesus's appearance changed from the inside out right before their eyes. His clothes shimmered, glistening white, whiter than any bleach could make them. Elijah, along with Moses, came into view in deep conversation with Jesus. Peter interrupted, Rabbi, this is a great moment. Let's build three memorials, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He blurted this out without thinking, stunned as they all were by what they were seeing. Just then a light, radiant cloud enveloped them and from deep in the cloud, a voice. This is my son marked by my love. Listen to him. The next minute, the disciples were looking around, rubbing their eyes, seeing nothing but Jesus. Only Jesus. Coming down the mountain, Jesus swore them to secrecy. Don't tell a soul what you saw. Maybe maybe you've had those kind of trips as a kid. Every once in a while, you you notice that you're kind of veering away from your usual destination. You're going down a certain road, and maybe it's a road that you recognize. And maybe you think, I think we're going to Dairy Queen. Or I think we're going wherever that special place is that you kind of deviate from, that you don't go to very often, or at least I didn't as a kid. But every once in a while. You know, whether we were leaving uh, from school to home and we went down a, a different path and you just got that feeling. Right. And then you saw the sign of whatever it is that you were going to or maybe those beautiful golden arches and you thought, oh, McDonald's. Yes. Comedian John Mullaney tells a great story about this, that uh, he was in the car with his siblings and parents and they were going cross country to some trip and it had been hours and hours and hours of seeing nothing. And they see an exit sign for McDonald's and they start, you know, screaming and excitement and pleading with their dad to, to go in. And, uh, and then the car starts to turn into the exit and they see the golden arches and they're, they're shouting and joy and excitement. And of course the, the car pulls up to the window and he says, my dad orders a small black coffee. And that was it. And he takes his coffee and then just kept on driving. And he said, you know, as a kid, that was so horrible. But as an adult, that is the funniest thing he ever did. We love those surprise trips, right? Even if it's just kind of a change up in our routine, if we have those routes where we go from place to place each and every day, it's always the same. And then for whatever reason, we find an excuse, a reason to go a different path. And maybe that's how it was with Jesus and the disciples that Jesus said, hey, come on, guys, we're going to we're going to go take a walk. And maybe it was a walk that they had taken, you know, uh, again and again and again. And then they start going up this mountain and maybe they started thinking, "Ooh, this is new. Now, for us, we need to know that anytime people are going up a mountain or to a mountain in Scripture, that's that's significant. Going up to a mountain was a very holy and spiritual uh, exercise and experience for these communities. So Jesus taking them up a mountain, there, there had to be an expectation that something incredible was going to happen. And of course, it did. Jesus takes them up the mountain and has what we call, and, and the best word that we can say is transfiguration. It's not necessarily a transformation, But but something happened to where Jesus reveals himself to the disciples in a way that they have never seen him. And not only that, but they see these visions of Elijah and Moses. Now, again, we probably recognize those names, but to these um, to these Israelites, to the people who practice the Jewish faith, seeing these two guys were like seeing the pillars of their faith in person. I mean, not only was it an incredible spiritual experience, but it was a way to really center in how significant Jesus was as the son of God and being connected to the God that they had been taught to worship as a child. Because now you have Elijah and Moses, the really good old guys, kind of legitimizing who Jesus is. And so they may be thinking like Peter, you know, yay, this is all true. Everything that he's been saying is true and and it's great. And we got to see it. And maybe seeing the old guys means that we'll get to practice the old ways. And that kind of seems to be what's on Peter's mind when he when he yells out, you know, this is great. We'll build memorials like we did in the old days. We'll set one for you. We'll set one for Elijah. We'll set one for Moses. And then everybody will know how legit this whole thing is. Plus, we have something to do and we can solidify this faith thing that you've been teaching us to talk about. And most importantly, we'll go back to the good old days. You know, the good old days when we went to temple and and we worshiped and, you know, there was that special room that only the one priest could go and, and, you know, we'll have our special days and we'll have the, the, you know, things the way that they used to be. And the hard thing about Jesus is that Jesus is not about going back to the good old days. He's always about moving forward, about new. As he says, I am making all things new. And you will see what these new things are. So the the beginning of the story that I read, he starts with saying, the the scripture starts with saying six days later, three of them did see it. So six days from what? What happened six days ago? So six days before, Jesus is talking with his disciples. And he's saying some things are about to happen that are going to be really difficult. And, And even before that, What it is that we have been doing together, it's been hard. It's been hard making these changes. It's been hard taking these steps, making these journeys, doing these things. And six days ago, he said to the disciples, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. Anyone who is going where I am going has to let me go there. You are not in the driver's seat. I am. So therefore, do not run from suffering. Embrace it, Jesus says. Follow me and I will show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. It is my way to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and to lose you? The real you. And so Jesus says this very profound statement, the statement that's probably hard to hear, hard to understand, hard to grasp, hard to live. And then six days after this, he takes a few of those people who heard it up to the mountain to see this transfiguration process. And he, see, he, he lets them see how it is that he is being surrounded and accompanied by the people of their faith that they have gr- grown up knowing and believing in. And yet even in the midst of that, he says, we're going in a new direction. So as I said before, how grateful I am that Pastor Nicky e has been leading us this last month in the, this new sermon series of the new year, how we are loved. And the many ways that we are shown how we are loved. And now at the end of this, Jesus is showing us how we are sent out in love. So in these experiences, when we receive it, Jesus is also giving us the command to share it. So last week she was talking about Paul. I, I, I go back and forth with Paul. You know, Paul, Paul is very profound He's very prolific, but sometimes he's just a jerk. And, and one of the things I wrestle with is maybe sometimes you do have to be a jerk to kind of, you know, get this message going. And, and honestly, the, the time that he was in was a real challenge because part of what he was trying to teach, part of what he was trying to get people to look at is how to look at each other as humans, not as objects. And sometimes you have to be um, kind of jerky to get people to listen. And sometimes God just calls jerks into ministry and they can be just as powerful as the nice people. But one of the things that Nikki said about Paul was this idea of of the hill he was trying to climb and the boulder that he was trying to push up with the culture. And she talked about, you know, with all the pain and the challenge that he endured, Paul still encouraged people to love others, even enemies. Remember, Pastor Nikki, saying that. Last week, how huge and how revolutionary it was to not only love all people, but to love your enemies. Because that's the way of Jesus. It's a huge life shift, but this is how Jesus lived his life. And this was the Jesus whom Paul encountered. If some of you were at the 930 service last week. Um, Pastor Charlie was out with the flu. So Nikki did not only the current, but also 815 and Reverend Alex Shanks, who's the assistant to the bishop um, and also a member of our church. He preached at 930 and he talked about the difference between Chronos time and Kairos time. So Chronos time is the time that we follow. Right. ABC, one, two, three, one o'clock, two o'clock. And he said, you got to remember, God doesn't work that way. God works in what we call kairos time which is god's time which doesn't always make sense to us and many times we fight it kairos is also the kind of time that things happen and we don't necessarily know why they're happening right in that moment right at that time or why we are called to be a part of it so can i tell you a weird story like, I mean, it's really weird. And I want to preface how weird this is by saying, as one of your pastors, I don't, I don't hear God. Like, I, I don't hear a voice uh, of God. When I experience God, it's much quieter. It's much confu- more confusing sometimes. This was a time when like, I heard a voice. Okay. So just bear with me because it's weird. So, um, back at trunk or treat, uh, I got to be Dr. Strange as one of the characters. I was right there and, and got to play with the the kids and the folks as they came in and as they were waiting to go outside. And so Diana Russell, who's our director of newcomers ministry actually got an almost authentic Dr. Strange cloak, which was really cool. And she got me a blue kind of mage suit. Um, but it wasn't complete. I, I thought, you know, I need some bands for the forearms and I need like blue boots uh, but where am I going to find blue boots? And so I thought, well, I could get um, those blue socks that you get at the hospital, you know, that have the pads on the back on the bottom, so I could actually walk. And those things, like you cannot get them any smaller than extra extra large. So it'd be perfect. It'd go over my shoes. I look more like Doctor Strange. So I went on to Amazon. I ordered them, and when they arrived, they were not socks. Have you ever had that experience where you order something on Amazon? And it's not what it's supposed, like. It was a I don't even remember what it was, but it was a box of something. I was like, well, these aren't socks. So what do I do? And so I read the instructions and they said, you know, you got to go to Kohl's and they have a thing at the customer service department where you can exchange stuff. I was like, OK, well, I'll do that. So on my lunch break, I went to Kohl's and um, I talked to someone at customer service and I explained my situation. And they said, well, we're not Kohl's. We're Bell's. This is how often I go to department stores. (laughs) So I walk outside and I'm like, oh, you're right. This is Bell's. I went to Bell's on uh, Lakeland Hills, right, right by Mellow Mushroom. For whatever reason, I thought that was Kohl's, but it wasn't. And that's not even the weird thing. The weird thing was, as I was walking back to my car and I looked back, I heard a voice saying, you need to come back here. Why do I need to come back to Bell's on Lakeland Hills? Whatever. So, you know, all that time passes. And then during renewal leave on this past, you know, this past month in January, um, I was at uh Hernando's Landing um, looking out at Lake Parker. And it, was, and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful day. It was quiet. And then I thought, well, I'm going to go home and, you know, get some lunch. And, I, and the voice came back and it said, no, you need to go to Bell's. I'm like, but. It, it, it's all the way over there. And my house is just right over across the lake. It's literally across the lake. I mean, that that's going to take like 20 minutes. You need to go to Bell's. Why do I need to go to Bell's? It's all the way over there. And it's lunch hour is going to take. And then the voice in all of its spiritual power just said, will you just do it? <laughs> like a real spiritual experience. So fine, I got in my car. I drove all the way out to Lakeland Hills and I go into Bell's. And of course, no one's there. Why would anyone be at Bell's at, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday? So I walked through and and I started thinking to myself, you know, it's actually kind of nice in here. I'd never, I hadn't paid attention last time. And I started thinking about, you know, when I went shopping with my parents as a kid and, you know, it's just things were bright and, you know, the color arrangement was nice and everything just kind of popped out. And I found myself thinking, you know, I sort of feel a connection here. Like I get it. I get it. I, I, I get why people shop maybe because you're seeing how everything is assorted and, and it looks nice and, and you start to think, oh, that would really look nice in my house and look at that potholder, even though I have 15 pot holders, I want that one and I don't even know why. And so then you buy it and you take it home and it's just a potholder. And I started thinking, why do I have this sense of connection, like this sense that I need to belong like all of these pieces and then it dawned on me that's exactly whoever's in charge of arranging things wants us to feel it wants us to feel as though because everything has a place here maybe i have a place here and maybe if i purchase something here and i'll take it back with me i'll feel connected except we never do right It's like it's like in uh, Temple of Doom when Indiana Jones takes the the stone out of the skull and they're all lit and he takes it away and the light goes away and then he brings it back and then the light comes back. When we take that thing home, it just becomes a thing. And that sense of feeling and connection that we had, it's gone and we don't know why. And so I was I was walking through this department store that this voice was telling me to go to. I realized I wish I fit. I wish I fit like like all of these pieces that seem to have its own place. I wish I fit like all of these color coordinations where when everything comes together, it's it's magical. But then I leave and I don't feel like I fit anymore. So we buy that thing, but it doesn't give us that same feeling and we wonder why. So when Peter says, "Oh, this is great. We'll build this thing around what you have just done." That's our humanness, our humanity for whatever reason saying, "We got to we got to we got to do this thing to hold on to what it is that you just showed us." Then Jesus's response is, "It's time to go back down the mountain." Because when we try to when we try to Tangibleize this experience that we just had, it never works. To say that we're going to build something around what just happened, or that we're going to try to take something physical out of that so that we can hold on to what just happened, it never works. But you know what does work? When we go with Jesus to the next thing that is about to happen. Because when we take that piece, that's all it is. So I'm going to tell you another story that I've told many, many times before, but it's a story of two teenagers and one of them is talking about tikkun olam, which is a practice in the, in the Jewish faith. It's an idea that uh, the world is broken into pieces. And she says, the world is broken into pieces and it's our job to find the pieces and put them back together again. And then the other teenager thinks about it for a second and says, well, maybe we're not supposed to find the pieces. Maybe we are the pieces. Maybe that's why Jesus commands us to keep going. Because when we take that thing, whatever it is, and we bring it home with us and it doesn't give us the same allure, the same feeling. I mean, some days we really do need a potholder and it works, it fits. But when we bring something back because we think we're going to be able to take that magic back with us, it never, ever works because it's not our job to find the pieces. We are the pieces, and that's why Jesus leads us back down that mountain so that we can be pieces together. I almost called Jeremy a couple of times when I was, as I was thinking about this service and I thought, you know, this would be a great Sunday to sing, call me higher And that same voice every single time said, no, you don't, you don't need to call because they already know that. They're already going to do it. And I looked at the bulletin and I saw it. And I was like, they were listening. And I'm glad I did too. Because I don't need to tell them how to put the songs together. They already know how to do it. And I knew it was, I, I knew it was going to be Shelby or Megan singing that song. Because anytime you sing that song, you're singing it to me. Because I would just love to stay where it's cozy. I would just love to stay where it's quiet. I would just love to stay where it's comfortable and it's nestled and I get to sip my coffee and I get to stay in my sweats. And I did that a whole bunch this last month. But that voice was telling me there's going to be a time to come back. There's going to be a time to come down from the mountain. Because it's time to go. And maybe that's why Jesus said, "Don't tell anyone about this because you're going to mess it up because you don't you don't get it yet." But in the meantime, we're going to keep serving, we're going to keep loving, we're going to keep feeding, we're going to keep clothing, we're going to keep healing. We're going to do this again and again and again until you get it. And I'm going to do it with you. So we'll get these flashes. We'll get these moments, we'll get these micro specs of instances that fall into place and we see it and we get it and we understand it and we believe it, or at least we think we do, and then we lose it. Jesus' response to that is, keep going. Keep going, keep loving, keep serving, keep feeding, keep visiting, keep healing, keep sharing. And you will get it. Because I'll go with you. As Jesus said in the story, some of you who are standing here are going to see it happen. You will see the kingdom of God arrive in full force. And I think that message is mostly, I mean, it's for all of us, but I think it's mostly for those who cannot go to the mountain. For whatever reason. There's a meme that I saw not too long ago. I've actually seen it a couple times now. I'd like to share it with you. And it's not, it's not to start a fight. Let me just begin by saying that, but, um, uh, I'm, I'm talking to the females in our worship space right now. It could be for all of us, but this needs to be a special message for the women. Have you ever noticed how in the scriptures, men are always going up to the mountains to commune with the Lord? Yet in the scriptures, we hardly ever hear of women going to the mountains, but we know why, right? Because the women were too busy keeping life going. They could not abandon babies, meals, homes, fires, gardens, and a thousand other responsibilities to make the climb into the mountains. That is why God comes to the women. Men have to climb the mountain to meet God, but God comes to women wherever they are. When they are doing their ordinary everyday work, God meets them at the wells where they draw water for their families, in their homes, in their kitchens, in their gardens. Even at the empty tomb, Mary was the first to witness Christ's resurrection. She was there because she was doing the womanly chore of properly preparing Christ's body for burial. In these seemingly mundane, ordinary tasks, these women of the scriptures found themselves face to face with divinity. So if you ever start to bemoan the fact that you don't have as much time to spend in the mountains with God as you would like, remember, and this is for all of us, God is with us. God knows where we are and the burdens we carry. God sees us, and if we open our eyes and our hearts, we will see God even in the most ordinary places and in the most ordinary things, God lives. Because I live, you will live also. It is our hope, it is certainly mine, that this is your mountain. That when we come here, we come into a space in which we are loved, in which we are empowered, a place where we fit among the other pieces. But a part of that is also knowing that as we go out, We go out as God's pieces into the world and we take that holiness that we have experienced, that love, that grace, that joy, that forgiveness, that resurrection, and we share it out in the world. This is what it means to be sent in love that we all remember we go as God's pieces. So may we go and may we take this table with us and offer it to those who are hungry and thirsty as well so that they may know that they, too, are loved by God. And may we go in peace. Amen.